are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring. My name is Jeff White and joining me is Carmen Perry. How are you, Carmen? I am doing well. I'm doing well. It's uh, it's like we're getting into the throes of uh, of fall now and it feels like winter's knocking on the door. I don't know? even want to think about it. And... Um, that I don't know, kind of sucks, but it's still, I don't know. I find winter when you're in the pre Christmas thing, you can kind of look forward to the holidays a little bit, maybe. Sure. So and then, it feels like it's just you're going into the frozen hell that we have up here in Canada. <laughs> Slush for months. Mm. Yeah. No, it's uh, that part's depressing, but no, the, the rest of fall is pretty nice. And, but our uh, guest isn't depressing today. No, no. Suggest. And uh, also not in the throes of winter-ish yeah, things, I, I guess. That, I don't uh, know. The, is it Chicago area? It uh, gets pretty nasty in Chicago. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we want to be sending people there for a beach vacation anytime <laughs> soon. But let's introduce our guest, and then we can maybe get into the tourism uh, promotion afterwards. <laughs> yeah, sure. So we've got uh, Nick Goldner with us today from Making Chips, a podcast and agency based out of the Chicago area, as you said. And uh, really pleased to have you on the show today, Nick. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Nick, why don't uh, look? I, I, I'm just going to say uh, this is one of the more uh, unique kind of uh, business situations uh, that I've encountered. Uh, in that, just uh, you know, you've you've got this, um, uh, you've got a fairly unique uh, uh, professional life and structure here that you've set up. So, why don't you tell us a little bit, tell our listeners about making chips uh, for those who who haven't uh, tuned in. And, um, and even about uh, kind of what brings you to this. So Making Chips is most known for being a podcast with the mission to equip and inspire manufacturing leaders. Uh, it was started by my two partners, Jason Zenger and Jim Carr. Um, I just recently become a part of Making Chips through a, a joint venture, but my background is um, third generation manufacturing company uh, called Advanced Machine and Engineering. Uh, I was an artist growing up. So engineering and manufacturing wasn't really my thing, but the company, you know, grew to a point where marketing became a big priority and, you know, being, being a creative myself, it was, it was my niche right, right from the get go. So, um, you know, basically my experience as a marketing director for a manufacturing company brought me to the podcast world where I was listening to, uh, making chips quite often, just, to learn more about the challenges going on in the industry and understand my audience a little bit better. And uh, Jason and Jim asked me to be a guest on the podcast about, uh, I think, like three years ago. And that's where the relationship started. Very cool. Very cool. So it's, um, I mean, a third generation manufacturing business uh, uh, turned uh podcast uh entrepreneur slash agency. media magnate yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it is a little <laughs> bit confusing but uh there's actually quite a bit of strategy behind why we made this uh move here so maybe we can dive into that a little bit yeah why, why don't, don't we? we yeah please tell us about it so you know you, a lot of your guests are probably you know constantly hearing about how marketing is this un unfortunate evil, this expense, this cost. And that's pretty much what I grew up with is like, okay, well, why do we need to be at this trade show? What do you mean the website's going to cost this much money to, to redesign? Why, why would we do that? We just need to sell machines or just sell, sell more of our products. So 
it's always been frustrating for me that people saw marketing as an expense instead of an investment or an asset. And my dream has always been to have a, like a metalworking marketing agency. Um, when I saw making chips as a very successful content marketing platform, I immediately was drawn to Jason and Jim just to talk to them more about it because they really didn't build the business with any intentions of, you know, creating a, a, a big media company or, or marketing agency. Their mission was just to equip and inspire the metalworking leader and to, to create a community of metalworking leaders that could talk about the biggest challenges in the space and, you know, what their dreams are, where the industry's headed, you know, things that in, in the metalworking world, don't often get talked about because people kind of keep things pretty close to the chest. So they asked me to be uh, on the podcast to talk a little bit about what we were doing in the family business, which was something called quick response manufacturing. It's all focused on, you know, lead time reduction. And my older brother's a, a continuous improvement guy. So he, he was kind of the main guest and I was there to support him. And we were, we were going to talk about the family business. And after um, our, after we recorded our episode, Jason was like, you know, I think this could be an eight-figure business someday. And I was like, yeah, I know. Like, content marketing is so underrated. Right, right now you've got this audience and it's really starting to grow. Where could we take this thing? And, you know, fast forward two years, we were generating a lot of sponsorship revenue. And we were thinking, okay, what do we need to do now? Because you can only scale sponsorships so, so much before, you know, you've just inundated your audience with advertisements and you've kind of watered down the original mission, which was to equip and inspire. And some of the episodes that um, were the most impactful to our audience from the feedback we were getting were was the episodes on sales and marketing and, and digital marketing and inbound marketing and, and all the things that have changed in, in terms of how people buy and sell products. So my goal was always to to have a, a marketing agency, but I was stuck as a marketing department with, you know, a five person team. And their goal was to scale this business beyond just the podcast, but they didn't necessarily know how to do it. So we were able to kind of put our heads together and combine resources. And, and now they have my whole team as resources for the media side. And I have the, access to their audience and a brand name besides advanced machine engineering's marketing department, which we were able to build a, you know, an inbound and, and content marketing agency off of. I've got to say the, uh, I, I, uh, both Jeff and I actually are, are members of separate, uh, uh, agency roundtable groups that the, just a collection of, um, uh, uh, fairly oddball marketing agencies from around North America, about 10 in each group. And um, it, most of the time just feels like more of a support group than anything else where people are in <laughs> therapy. Um, but I can tell you that everybody comes to the agency business in a very uh, different way, but I've never heard uh, anything remotely uh, similar to this. So I think it's it's a fascinating path to the agency business, and it's it, it's why I was so excited about today's conversation because it feels like we have kind of kind of one foot on each side of it, you know. And and um, I, I think a lot of people in the pure marketing space 
um, struggle to um, uh, understand a lot of dynamics that the manufacturing uh, enterprise has to deal with. They, they struggle to uh, understand why manufacturers are so laggard in adopting marketing technology, as an example. They, 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 if they've served other industries, they think it's just the writing has been on the wall for so long, and how come people aren't with religion, as an example. Um, but I, I think you can really help shed light on this because, again, you're, you kind of have one foot on either side. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So I think usually it happens the opposite way, where maybe an agency starts by serving a couple manufacturing clients, and and they're trying to figure out, okay, how do I scale? You know, how do we create content that's more interesting to the leaders in the vertical industry that I'm serving? And so then they say, okay, maybe we can launch a podcast or a blog or some sort of content marketing platform that would be interesting to their target audience. Whereas in our case, that that was first. We already had a, a, a successful, thriving content marketing platform, and, and we were able to build a services model into that with this joint venture. So it's kind of a backwards approach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but a successful one nonetheless, it would appear. Um, so let's dive into it a little bit. Um, Talk to me about the work that you're doing uh, at Making Chips. And uh, because I, my, my guess is, is that your entry into this space informs um, the, the how and the what you do. Uh, it probably changes the types of things you deliver to clients. So f- for us, understanding the buyer persona really isn't a massive challenge because we are the buyer persona. Um, you know, my grandfather invented a machine tool. My father's the CEO of a, a manufacturing company all over the world. Um, the other two partners, one of them is a, a contract manufacturing, a precision machining shop. And the third partner, Jason, is a, um, a industrial tooling and supply business owner. So, you know, we're all kind of metalworking leaders ourselves. And, but we're the few that really believe like, look, marketing's changing. Inbound marketing is so, so necessary. Um, and, you know, the old strategy of just doing trade shows and picking up the phone and cold calling and say, hey, you know, hey, do you want to buy parts or going to the, the Thomas registry or, or whatever, you know, th- those, those are the way of the dinosaur. So um, it, for us, it was like, okay, we know that our peers have this challenge where they, they know that things have changed, but they just don't know how to go about it. They don't know how to go about digital marketing or inbound marketing or God forbid content marketing. So um, that's why we built the agency this way because we're kind of an example of how to do it. Advanced Machine Engineering about three years ago launched a brand new website and it completely changed our business. So where before we had like all these regional territory guys all over the United States and Canada. Now the vast majority of our opportunities are driven from um, our website and we have about half as many regional guys as we used to because we, we handle most of the stuff in house. And, and I think that's something that a lot of other manufacturers kind of know they, they need to get to, but they just don't really know how. And, you know, with my experience in, in digital marketing and uh, inbound marketing, we're able to, offer these services to metalworking nation. I, uh, I, I have, I, I'm kind of torn about asking this question because I, I feel like I don't know that I could answer it myself. So, uh, anyway, but 
give it a shot. We'll see. I'll, I'll do my best. I just wonder, well, I guess one of the, I've been in the agency business um, uh, for far too long and there's, you know, too many gray hairs to show for it and all those things. Um, and, uh, you know, one, one thing I think as marketers um, uh, that we need to uh, be cognizant of is a, is how self-reference criteria can bubble up into your work. And when you said the understanding the buyer personas isn't difficult because you are the buyer persona, on the one hand, I mean, I, I'm nodding with that violently. I'm really agreeing with you, and I'm, I'm actually saying, well, that's the depth uh, that you're able to bring to it um, and the insight into that vertical. But I guess is, is there a... Is there a Jekyll to that hide? Is there, do, do you ever, I guess, what, what do you do to, um, to make sure that you're not uh, too far down the road of self-reference criteria as you explore the work that you do on behalf of, of others? So I, I think there is a Jekyll to that hide because sometimes I find myself like too in the marketing weeds to just because I've been doing this for so long. So, you know, people just want leads and I'll start talking about, building backlinks and, you know, technical SEO terms and stuff like that. And, and they get, they get lost. So, um, I, I have to remember where I was at when I was first trying to convince my dad to give me the budget to do some things differently from a digital marketing perspective for, for our company and take myself all the way back to those early stages. Um, so that, you know, I could speak to where our prospects would be at today. Is, is that answering your question at all or, or am I missing it? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's getting there. And I, I am curious too, just how like in the course of doing the work when we're thinking about, okay, we're creating this you know, marketing execution and it's for, for this uh, target buyer persona. Um, I just find that sometimes it can be, it can be challenging when you uh, associate yourself with that persona so strongly. It can, sometimes you just, um, uh, maybe you begin assuming too much, uh, like a, almost like a, if you're a car enthusiast and you happen to be have the the account, the, you know the the Mercedes Benz account or something, and um, then all of a sudden, you know, the reason why you like that brand or whatever now plays into it almost a little too much. And it does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like like sometimes when you're inside the bottle, you can't read the label. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I, I want to go back to something else you said um, as you were talking about the buyer personas. You mentioned that, you know, the new website that you guys produced for Advance really helped to change how you dealt with sales and, you know, kind of stripping away that regional model and going more, it sounds like, to an inside sales model and using the website to support that is, is certainly something that we've seen with our clients. Um Talk to us a bit more about kind of what that's meant and, and how the inbound marketing and content marketing has helped to power that or not. So for me, the biggest challenge was one, getting the budget because our, our site was uh, pretty comprehensive. We, Advanced Machine Engineering is kind of like an umbrella company with like six businesses all inside of it, you know, business units that maybe target different verticals within the metalworking industry. So trying to figure out how I was going to combine all of these into one domain so that we were able to keep the, the domain authority of AME.com without it looking like we are 
um, like a, like a distributor house or, or like a rep that's trying to rep all these separate companies was was probably the biggest challenge. Right. I was torn between do I do I build out like six different sites or do I you know build subdirectories into the ame.com site and we ended up going the the subdirectory route and sometimes I'm really glad that we did because you know all of the business units get to benefit benefit from from the traffic and the domain authority and other times people visit our site and they're just like okay well I'm looking for a a high production sawing machine why do you also sell these like work holding components? You know, is this really the right place? So the the first thing that we had to do is design the site in a way that it, um, it equally presented each of those business units without it looking like kind of this jack of all trades, master of none type company. And that, that was a big challenge. And I'm not sure that we, we've totally accomplished that. Um, but to me, it's still better than kind of starting from scratch with with six different sites. So, the the other big challenge um, was what we did was we digitized our catalog, and we made it more of an Amazon type experience where you can uh, like download CAD models for your products and and compare different uh, models with each other and and try to you know ch- choose what's best for you. And we've even built some selection tool configurator type things into the site. So there's a kind of a high level of development work and some integrations with some other uh, companies. One of them's a company called Catalog Data Solutions who kind of of helps manufacturers get to a more of a Amazon or Granger type experience on their site. And and that made a big impact too. It's just making it from like where it used to be, people would visit our site, they would go, they would download our a PDF catalog, and then they would call and order things to, um, now they visit our site, they click the request for quote button, they fill out exactly what they need, or they visit our site and they go through our catalog, check a couple boxes and request a quote for um, some products that that are straight out of the catalog for more of a standard offering. Um, and we found that like the most valuable piece of content for an engineer is a CAD model. So I don't, I don't know if you consider that content marketing or not, but w- when you're serving up valuable content for free and you're making it easy to access, f- for us, the biggest thing that made the biggest difference was just like making it really easy to find the CAD models. Because if our buyers are, are designing those products into their assemblies, you know, we're, we have more than a foot in the door. It's funny too, because I mean, a lot of people would try and hold that very close to the chest, you know, concerned about uh, competitors and, and things like that. I mean, those types Foolishly of things. concerned. I mean, yeah. In, in, in almost every instance, you can explain how somebody could get that information anyway. And the, it's an artificial sense of security they have and not sharing it. Mm. But, uh, mm-hmm. I would say you're not to say you're completely unique in, uh, in, in your approach here, but I, I would say that. It's um, uh, somewhat unique in that you've chosen to do that to that degree yeah. of openness. Yeah. You're listening to The Cooler Ring, conversations on manufacturing marketing. Don't forget to subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring. Instead of just having like one AME blog where we like divided the content by, by, with like tags, you know, for, for content for one business unit versus the other, we built out these like 
internal microsites. Um, so for example, for our AMSAW sawing machines, we built sawingacademy.com. So if you visit sawingacademy.com, it redirects you to ame.com slash sawingacademy. And it, it almost appears as a completely different site. And that's where it's less about like why you should buy our products and the features and benefits of our products. And just more about what the audience needs to understand as far as how to calculate your cost per cut or should you buy this type of machine versus this type of machine. It's, it's more educational and um, in nature than, um, you know, please request a quote for a product. There is no request a quote button on the um, sawing academy part of our site. There's just, would you like to speak with a sawing expert? So talk to me about the, the sawing academy's role as the gateway drug for advanced machine and engineering. Um, how, you know, people, uh, you know, variety, many people have tried this across a variety of sectors and they have uh, differing levels of success quite candidly in uh, whether or not that, a kind of content first approach opens up a decent uh, on ramp of traffic uh, and in other instances it's a you know it, it's just this uh, another needle in the largest haystack of information ever invented called the world wide web sure. so how has that worked well we made a decision that we weren't going to make sewing academy all about amsaw so we're welcoming other um companies, maybe even competitors, if, if they have something that explains a, a challenge for the high production sawing world, we'll, pu we'll publish that on Sawing Academy, assuming they want to give us the ability to do that. So uh, people who build saw blades can, can write for Sawing Academy and uh, our, our engineers write for Sawing Academy, things that may tell the audience, hey, this is, this is not the right saw for you. But what we're trying to do is just make it an educational place where people can learn about high production sawing. It's, it's, not, it's not like the most trendy content marketing topic. So we figured, why don't we cover it with AME? Yeah, it's not the most trendy at all, but you might be the only ones covering it, which is what makes it uh, highly valuable to the target, I would think. Uh, so, so what kind of lift did we see in traffic there? How, how big of a gateway is it? Percentage-wise. So one thing that I think we need to do is um, we need to do a better job. So we want it to seem a little bit separate, but we need to do a better job connecting it to the actual uh, sawing pages of our site if, in fact, they are looking to, uh, to make a purchase or to, to speak with someone about a potential purchase. Because we do find that we get a lot of entry traffic from the blog posts from Sawing Academy, but oftentimes they, they read one or two pages and they never actually make it to our site. So the business goal was, you know, educate the audience, but realistically it's to sell more saws. And uh, I, I think we can do certain things in the design of Sawing Academy to kind of convert more of the Sawing Academy traffic into leads for AMSAW. Mm. But it's that fine line, you know what I mean? Like it's it's like with making chips, we all have our separate businesses, and we mention them from here to here. But really, the point isn't to you know make sure car machine and tool gets more uh, work, or make sure advanced machine engineering gets more sales, or make sure Zenger sells more tools. For making chips, it's more of a uh, authentic content marketing platform where 
the mission really is just to equip and inspire the metalworking leader. Um, and making chips has a has a super big audience. Um, Sawing Academy has been, I would say, successful, but I wouldn't say it's been wildly successful. I love this uh, this hinge here, like yeah. kind of almost kind of fake authenticity, right? Like, um, <laughs> you know, but because I mean, I, 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 you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think that's the reason making chips is so successful is because there wasn't really a lot of selfish motivation at, at the start of it. So um, it's it's you know it's easy to. It is. It's easy, maybe, when you don't have to fake it, um, right? Because uh, I think if if we were really trying to be one hundred percent altruistic with Sawing Academy, we would have built it as its own blog site. You know, we wouldn't have built it as a subdirectory of AME. Yeah, and there's this tension it, between it would have completely stood alone, and, and, and that builds that tension between do, you, yeah, like the more direct you are. I mean, you could probably build things in a sewing academy tomorrow that would be considerably more direct and sales focused, tie it closer to advanced machine and engineering. And in the next quarter, see um, an uplift um, because of that. And in doing so, you may well be limiting the overall growth potential of sewing academy because you're. Yeah, that's, that's a really good way to look at it. It's like, if, if a content marketing platform works, the sky is the limit. But if you just make like a, a knowledge-based blog to help sell more products, you're really kind of limiting how far it can go. For sure. I think uh, you touched on something in your last comment there about the, the scale of the audience for making chips. And I, I'd like to chat a little bit about kind of how you've grown that audience. And uh, we talked a little bit about uh, in the kind of pre-show time about, uh, you know, the importance of, of building that audience and creating content for it. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to hear kind of your philosophy and, and methodology for kind of growing, making chips and, and what that's meant. So I was reading this book, Content Inc., when I first uh, reached out to Jason and Jim. Are you guys familiar with the book? Yep. So it's, you know, how to build a, a, a business audience first. And that's exactly what Making Chips was doing. So when I first met Jason and Jim, I, I assumed that they they were taking this like really strategic approach to building a business. And I was just like wanting to learn from them as content marketers. And the guys were like, you know, J- Jason was like, yeah, I kind of, I, I get it. I, that That is the intention here. And, and Jim was like, you know, what the heck is content marketing? And... <laughs> Because they're just, they're not, you know, professional marketers. They're just metalworking leaders that wanted to build a community. And so I think that's really why it worked. Like they had knowledge as um, metalworking leaders. They had expertise in the area. So when they're, when they're speaking on, on metalworking topics, it's, it's very authentic and real and insightful. And they had a passion for uh, leadership and community development. And so where that knowledge and passion intersects is making chips. And and then the second thing that I think that they did that, that allowed the podcast to grow and become so popular is it's different than what you would expect from a manufacturing podcast. It's not boring at all. They're constantly joking around with each other. They don't take each other too seriously. It's, it's like an interesting radio show where they do dive into really important topics, but 
you think, uh, okay, metalworking podcast, it's going to be a bunch of mechanical engineers discussing tolerances and things like that, where, you know, you could just put it on to go to sleep. And with, with making chips, it's really fun to listen to. I mean, I found myself cracking up when I was on the mower listening to it, just listening to Jason and Jim go back and forth. So the first thing they did is they were very authentic. They had expertise and they had a passion. And I think if you, if you don't have expertise or if you don't have a passion, then don't start a content marketing platform on a topic because it's not going to be that interesting. And the second thing is, is they made it a point to be really different and to be really entertaining and to kind of be a little bit funny on the podcast. And I think that's part of the reasons why people resonate with their personality so much is you just kind of feel like you're in a conversation with friends. I feel like what Nick is trying to say is that we need to up our <laughs> entertainment game. Yeah, no, I, I think we're really hitting Basically, what he's saying is he's been listening to it for a while and, and it's, it's just really not that not funny. That great. Yeah. I am not at all <laughs> saying that. More... <laughs> oh. no. yeah. Well, you know, it's I, th- I think you guys are wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, look, it, it's been a. a I think it's been a fascinating conversation and I just, uh, I feel like we're, you know, here we are, uh, approaching, uh, approaching the end of our, of our chat. And I could probably just, uh, uh, feel like it could, uh, it could continue to go on for, for, for quite a while yet. So, uh, perhaps we'll, uh, try to do that, uh, live and in person the next time we're in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, that would be excellent. Yeah. yeah this, it would be great to kind of, kind of continue this conversation. Maybe I'm making chips. For sure. That would be really cool. Uh, Nick, we're also coming, of course, into 2019 and being, a, a, you know, obviously a content marketer with some vision about where things are going. What do you think is um, is coming next in terms of uh, um, content marketing or uh, media production or what have you? Well, ev- everything is moving more towards, uh, you know, this this connected world of Industry 4.0. So I think connecting your content to the actual products in, in manufacturing is going to be a big deal. What I mean is if, if you have a machine tool, why, why shouldn't people be able to access your knowledge base from the HMI or the PLC of the machine tool? Why, why can't you put QR codes on your products that send people back to the helpful information um, that, that will help people get more out of the product? So, I think content marketing is really a, a big part of uh, industry 4.0. And I think that we're going to see um, products differentiate themselves from, from other products by the content that their company produces. Fascinating because you know what, like I, I bet if you were to get a group of uh, non-manufacturing marketers together, let's just say SaaS marketers, and ask them what 2019 holds. In no way would they be saying content marketing is the... Well, and the, the integration with a physical product. Yeah, yeah. and it, well, it's because of that that they yeah. wouldn't be thinking that. Yeah. 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 Um, so it, it's almost like new life for content marketing on the manufacturing side of the house. Yeah. Right. And and the other thing is like... Like you never hear of a, a content marketing format of delivering CAD models for free and, and promoting that. You don't people don't call that content marketing, but why isn't it content marketing? Like what type of content does an engineer want? They want a CAD model. So give it to them. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, Carmen, I think we just need to figure out how to make CAD models of what the hell we do. Oh no, that's not gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know it's a little bit 
it's a little bit out there, but if, if your customers are selling standard products that can be purchased out of a catalog, and if their buyer persona is like a design engineer who needs to design that into something, you know, maybe maybe we could consider how can we make it really easy for them to get that CAD model and put it behind a gate and then have that be your lead generation resource. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, that's great parting advice. Let's uh, let's end it there. I mean, I, yeah. I feel like uh, I've given folks lots, uh, lots to think about. Thanks so much for joining us on the Cool Ring today, Nick. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. I had a great time. And hopefully we can do this again on Making Chips. We're going to hold you to it. All Looking right. forward to it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.